Hello, hello. Let's turn this down a little bit. Hello and welcome to another Omtown Daily News Show. Let's get right into it. Ta-da! I am Mayor Watt. That is Omtown.com, and this is November. What is it? My gosh, is it really? I'm looking at my watch and it's telling me that it's already the 25th of November. 2022 time is ripping by. I don't have a title for today's show, but I have got all kinds of stuff from Twitter stuff to gaming stuff to tech stuff to economy and sociology and all kinds of stuff. Stuff everywhere. Stuffing, leftover stuffing from yesterday's show and Thanksgiving and it's Black Friday. So if you're looking for a deal, it's all over the place. It really is. There's so much that's on sale that I can't even I can't even really get a grip on it. And uh well, my wallet is screaming to be emptied and I'm trying not to. So, I'm not. But I hope you enjoy the show. So this one here, hmm, we're going to get into the news and let's just get straight into the news. Maybe I'll make it short again today. Yesterday was about 40 minutes. Maybe I can knock these down to about 30 minutes. We'll see. But I, sometimes I get on a soapbox and start going at any rate, the first article for today is, uh, in the word in tech. Elon Musk is going to launch new blue, gold, and gray Twitter ticks, which I think is kind of hilarious because it's kind of this arbitrage thing, you know, uh, different people are, uh, or organizations are going to get different colors, (laughs) blue, gold, gray. Hmm. Let's see here. This article's over at the guardian by Dan Milmo global technology editor, which is a hell of a title, new color coded categories within or well, next week for individuals, government and firms with accounts manually authenticated says here, Elon Musk has given Twitter verification or has said Twitter verification will return next week with color coded categories. Twitter's new owner said the platform would launch a new verification service on Friday next week having pulled an earlier attempt at a revamp that gave blue ticks uh, to accounts paying eight bucks a month after it triggered a flood of imposter accounts. Well, imagine that. So I'm not sure what's going to get a blue gold or gray, right? New color coded. Hmm. What do you think? Let's see here. I I'm going to hold off on the colors that are going to be applied. I have an opinion. I want to know if I can make this stuff up or not, but I'm not going to today. Today I wait and um, maybe we can find out what it's all going to be. Twitter has nearly 238 million daily users, according to it, its last set of quarterly results. But that's since uh, past 250 million in user growth rates have hit all time highs since Musk's $44 billion takeover somehow. I, I don't know. I don't really trust these numbers. The verification change was announced as Musk paved the way for a return of banned accounts to the platform next week and he announced Thursday that a general amnesty would be offered to suspended accounts provided that they had not broken the law or engaged in egregious spam so you can lie (laughs) you can ride that fine line of telling people a bunch of BS and blowing smoke up their butt as to the efficacy of their words but apparently That's good enough because it isn't spam, which is repeatedly saying the same thing over again 
in an unwanted fashion, I suppose, but when new ears hear it, wouldn't that actually just be marketing? Um, I, for one, think that you have to reiterate some of your uh, evidence and findings and, and get people to think about certain things. Now, there's some things that are verifiably wrong, right? Demonstrably incorrect. Like, I don't know, the election being stolen. But, and that medicine, certain medicine is good and certain medicine is ineffective or will end up killing you in the process of supposedly trying to heal you. And that's why a lot of these people are taken offline. And they make threats. (laughs) Threats. And now they're being ushered back in. So, and, and, and you'll see that it's, it's mostly wing nuts. Um, and it's a bummer. So Twitter is going to get a little more dumpster fiery. Um, and just wait, you know, people want to see this dumpster fire and that's going to be a, an uptick. <laughs> uh, there was some, uh, Twitter post, or maybe it was on Reddit. I don't remember where I saw it, but it's, <laughs> it was a really funny analogy about my house is on fire and there are like a hundred people outside watching. It's really weird. This has never happened before that I've gotten so many people outside my front door watching my house. It's kind of creepy. Yeah, dude, it's because your house is on fire. Anyway, let's move on to the next article. By the way, it's in the title of the uh, Twitch stream, but just to remind y'all, if you go over to ometown.showbot.tv, you get all of the URLs. I don't post them in the chat um, while I'm streaming anymore. That way um, I'm not cutting and pasting stuff. That actually was quite a, a long uh, amount of time spent copying and pasting and kind of slowing down the the show. Um, I would rather be able to soapbox from time to time and have conversation with everybody that might come into the stream. Of course, you have to know where to go. So come to twitch.tv slash hometown and uh, hang out with me. Talk to me about whatever is on your mind. But I got a lot of news that gets aggregated over at hometown.com. So go and check it out. Uh, this article is in the Order of the Great channel. It's all about wine. It says, but this goes beyond wine, just to let you know. Um, the article is titled, The Internet is Killing My Favorite Drink. Actually, it's plural. The Internet is Killing My Favorite Drinks. And it's over at vinepair.com. Julian Dara is the author and the illustration that you see if you're watching the stream or watching the VOD or watching the YouTube channel is um, the illustration is by Rebecca Dunlop and it says here uh, that they're just going to come out and say it for the past month they've shunned the thought of ordering a Negroni at a bar to avoid being labeled as a follower of meme culture Though the classic Negroni, equal parts gin, sweet vermouth, and Campari has been one of their go-to drinks for many years. So this is all because of the bandwagon after the House of Dragons started to declare that Negroni Spagliato as their drink of choice in a candid interview with co-star Olivia Cook, And they wonder... Had they proposed a sangria or a Tom Collins, if the drink would have would have exploded as it did, sangria definitely. I'm all over sangria, and I don't care. You want to make it meme? Sure, I'll still be there. You make sangria somewhere, and you say, "Hey, here are the directions to my place. I will be there." <laughs> uh, I once joked about somebody loving pizza by saying well now i know how to trap you under a box i can just put a little slice of pizza down and when you go for it you know you'll trip the box and i'll trap you and uh, out of all of the people to actually get that joke i didn't think that person would get that joke but they did um 
So I think it's pretty funny because you can catch me drinking a sangria under a box anytime. Just keep on pouring sangrias and I'll be there. Anyway, so they think that the internet is ruining all of their drinks because uh, people are hyping them up. And um, it says cocktail trends can act as a double-edged sword. On one hand, we are glad to see people stepping out of their comfort zones and ordering something new, says Ricky Delinsky, co-owner, chef, and mixologist of Yoshoku and Paper Planes in New York City. On the other hand, running off to try something because it was endorsed by a celebrity or were simply because it was shown on social media can act as a tunnel vision or as tunnel tunnel vision for ensuing patron. He says it's not uncommon for guests to come in and order at a moment for the moment's hottest cocktail without ever looking at the beverage list, though Delinsky's bars feature over 20 original house cocktails. Who cares if they're in the house and they're ordering? Seemingly, you're making money off of that. That one order. Pardon me. As I uh, get a little more comfortable here. Ah, need to stretch. Don't forget to stretch when the zombies attack. You'll, you'll want to be limber and uh, don't forget to drink. We are all, well, I don't remember what, what do they call it now on Reddit? It used to be hydro homies, but I don't know if that's still the thing. Anyway, it's been a while. Be sure to, be sure to hydrate. Anyway, those half full spogliatos, which I don't, I don't think I ever have said that phrase. Um, anyway, that are left to be poured down the drain are symbolic of modern society's short attention span as many imbibers briefly entertain novelty before trading it in for their usual order well again if you're complaining about drinks getting wasted then nobody's going to try anything short of whatever they've already had and and uh, they like you have to try you know uh, what is it kiss a lot of frogs right well it's the same thing with a drink same thing with anything you got to try a bunch of stuff out and see if you like it and the stuff that you don't dig you just don't follow up on anymore even if it is leaving it on the table sorry bub it is what it is but some bartenders recognize the missed learning opportunity for fashionable con- cocktails quote I'm going to change the eyes because it's not me. It's somebody else. They would much so they would uh, much rather sit a guest down at the bar and ask them to guide them through a cocktail similar to something they've seen online that fits their taste better, says Emily Harding, bar manager at Civility Social House in Somerville, Massachusetts. This way, she says drinkers who are genuinely curious about what's in their glass are able to uh, come away with something they'll actually enjoy and may even order again yeah but you know what again the social aspect of this is really what's important they're out there the the patron is out there and they may not have time to sit there and have a conversation with the bartender or the bartender may not give her one rat's butt about what this person has going on in their life um and and they need to just order and and move on i mean the 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 context really matters but i can tell you that buying buying a drink and not liking it is the furthest from anybody's concern at least until they're spending 150 bucks or more on testing drinks taste testing drinks is probably the worst part of it if you're going to do that then get the bottles at home and mix the drinks yourself and see if you like it Let's move on. The next article is over in the Hatch Ideas channel. Inflation boosts U.S. household spending by $433 a month on average, Moody finds. Blunting the impact of fast-rising consumer prices likely won't be easy or feel good, says uh, financial advisors. Now, I don't really like the word boosts here. It says inflation raised spending by $433 a month for the average household according to Moody's analysis of the October 2022 consumer price index so this is something that I talk about periodically and you can only talk about it so much although I just got done saying hey you have to reiterate sometimes for people to understand what's going on Um, so let me be blunt about it although people sat there and said oh the consumer price index didn't go up that much no it went up a considerable amount considering what it is 
and how much it normally deviates from this standard trend of fractions of a point. Now it's moving up two, three, four, five in a single month, which is not what it normally does. Well, Greg, I think Aya Kersey is the uh, author of this over at CNBC. They say the index increased 7.7% in October from a year ago, down from its recent peak, but still near the highest levels since. And uh, let me let me do something here because um, I, I don't believe that's actually really um, uh, I'm looking at the wrong place. I'm sorry. I won't be able to do this. I won't be able to do this live. Um, I, I normally have these things opened, but I, I closed them recently and um, let me see. You know what? I don't want to give up. Let's try it. Yeah, I'll have to find it another way. Anyway, um, the CPI is massively out of a line with this historical trends. And that's really the problem. And when it says inflation raised spending by $433 a month in this little key points line in the title, it says inflation boosts us household spending boosts has such a positive connotation to it that I think that raised us household spending by $433 is a little bit more contextually correct. Um, how about inflation has, uh, required us household spending to increase by $433 a month, something along the lines that shows the real impact of this. Cause it isn't a boost, you know, boosting household spending by $433 is a positive thing. Inflation is draining everybody's budgets dramatically. And it's worse for the middle class and lower than it is for the upper class. And when I talk about upper class and the, the margin between the middle class, the gap between the middle class and the upper class is dramatically higher um, than ever before, at least as far as I know. But it says here the average American household is spending $433 more a month to buy the same goods and services it did a year ago, according to Moody's Analytics uh, analysis of October inflation data while slightly down from the $445 monthly figure in September, stubborn, stubborn, stubbornly high inflation is stretching the typical budget. Yeah, this is really out of line. And um, I was told back in 2018, 2019, now I can't remember what it was. I was um, listening to something and some random food producer. And again, it's the producer price index. That is my concern because it has the knock on effect of impacting everything in the CPI. Um, but a producer of um, food product in particular at this time, chicken um, said, announced publicly the era of cheap food is over. And sure enough, Here's the inflation breakdown for October 2022 in one chart. Food at work and school is up 95%. Eggs up 43%. And that's a captured audience money grab, by the way. That's horrible, horrible, horrible. Um, the, 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 social, the sociological impact of food at work and school being that much higher, um, is, is just asinine. And now I hear that there are companies that used to provide food at work, um, for free and they're doing away with it. Um, or they're, well, yeah, they're doing away with it or they are charging, um, and more, a lot more. So eggs is another one massively high airline fares. That's another money grab because if you want to go anywhere, then you have to pay butter and margarine again. Um, up 33.6% public transportation up 28.1. That's a knock on effect of the producer price index when it comes to uh, oil and gas health insurance. That's always the 
the greedy bastard aspect of things um, where people don't have any bargaining power if they're a solo practitioner. Um, I think a union needs to form about that where everybody who is independent is actually part of an organization and they pay into it and have bargaining power to lower the require the costs of health insurance for individual entrepreneurs. Um, if there is something like that, then it's seldom discussed, at least in my circles. Um, and I deal with entrepreneurs quite a bit. They all have to pay this outrageously high price for their health care. Um, and gas service, no doubt, 20%. Uh, it probably is more than that, but I need to look at why they have it at that number. And uh, energy prices, which really should be part of gas service and um, other things. That's only up, apparently, 17.6%. I think that's a little manipulation there. Um, but that's okay. I don't know what exactly they're counting um, because it says gasoline all types. Well, the gasoline cost of diesel, and if you only look back a certain period of time a year, then it doesn't really give you the right context of that. But they have electricity in here going up 14%. I mean, how many of you out there have gotten, on average, a 7.7% increase in your salary where it isn't going to get eaten away uh, by taxes so where you end up at the end of the day with 7.7 percent month uh, year over year okay increase right to keep up with the just the consumer price index no nobody ever does so it says here the rate is down from 9.1 in june well july august september october yeah Quite a bit has changed. Um, not to mention people are really sick and tired of the high prices. And so certain prices have been declining. But let's move on to the next, because this is something that I think is, um, if I am wrong, I would love somebody to correct me because I don't see what they see. This is in the Hatch Ideas channel, which is all about business transformation. It is the, an entrepreneur show. It is an intellectual property um, concept development kind of a show that I'm going to start in about two months. We're going to start new shows um, in January here at Omtown, including a gaming uh, show that may last a couple of hours. Um, longer than the other shows so like two to three hours um the the days i'm not quite sure yet um for the gaming show but it'll be vr centric uh, primarily and um it really depends i'll have to look at some more data uh, now that i got my pico i've been looking at things and and uh it well we'll get into it but at any rate this next article is in the hatch ideas channel a soaring U.S. dollar will force the Fed to pivot away from its interest rate hikes, uh, but that won't be enough to prevent an earnings recession, Morgan Stanley says. So this article is from Matthew Fox over at Markets Insider, and it was in the last 24 hours, right? So it was today, as a matter of fact. And it says the Federal Reserve will likely follow in the Bank of England's footsteps and pivot, according to Morgan Stanley. The bank said... Uh, global U.S. dollar liquidity is now in the danger zone where bad stuff happens, but stock investors shouldn't be too excited uh, by any pivot from the Fed because the earnings recession is imminent, Morgan Stanley said. So they're, they're, they're saying here the soaring U.S. dollar will, will force the Fed to pivot away from its interest rate hikes, but it's soaring. So there is a... Let me let me pull it up real quick um, so that we're all on the same page. So there is a U.S. dollar currency index that is monitored um, and it stopped going up in September. So I don't quite get what they are talking about because they refer to this here as the global U.S. dollar liquidity um, being in the danger zone, but it's actually negative. So. But the article says that it's soaring. So when the dollar gains value, the US dollar currency index, 
increases. But like I said, it's been declining since September. And, uh, you know, just to be sure, it's down to 106.062 from a high of 114.188 in September, September 27th. I'm not sure if everything was heard clearly there. Um, but at any rate, this, um, let me pause this thing. This doesn't show the dollar being stronger. It's actually declining uh, because like I said, the US dollar currency index increases when it is uh, gaining strength. The first question to ask according to this article is when does the dollar become a US problem? Nobody knows, but more price action of the kind we've been experiencing will eventually get the Fed to back off, said Wilson. Uh, but uh, again, I just don't see it. According to Wilson, the earnings decline will be driven by several macro risks that companies have been forced to navigate in recent months, including China's COVID lockdowns, a surging US dollar. Well, unless this is lagged by a quarter, I don't see that happening. Um, higher interest rates, which are certainly still in place and uh, weakness in Europe's economy. Well, Europe has its own economic issues, primarily Russia's invasion of Ukraine and the prospect of Ukraine being added to uh, NATO. That would be, <laughs> that would be spectacular. I mean, if it, well, at any rate, Russia is still choosing that it's going to hobble Europe um, poking at uh, Germany in particular, which Germany is even now even more motivated to move away from fossil fuels. So we'll see what happens um, with that. Let me check something real quick. Yeah, I'm not sure if it, what will happen, but it would be amazing for Ukraine to be added to NATO. Um, anyway, the, it says Wilson would like the S and P 500 40 PS estimates to uh, fall to 225 or below combined with either a rising equity risk premium or falling ISM PMIs. Uh, before he gets confident that a sustainable low has been made in the stock market. So I don't know about that. Um, it says the forward EPS estimate for the S and P 500 is currently at 237. Uh, I'd have to look. Yeah, I don't. I don't have, I'm sorry. I, I can't do this while I'm streaming. Um, I have to be a little bit more prepared, but anyway, let's move on to the next article. Um, the next article is in the table tabletop nights category, which is all about tabletop gaming, RP gamers, favorite cozy games. Um, this has been, um, uh, a big list of games that RP Gamer and Sam Wachter, uh, sorry, I think his name is Wachter. Um, Sam Wachter or Wachter um, over at rpgamer.com uh, put together. So it's all these uh, cozy RPG tunes to relax to. They have this list. Um, and then they talk about a bunch of games that are kind of chill. Bear and Breakfast, it does seem pretty chill. I've watched a few people play um, Dance Gaming in particular. And um, Jickery, I haven't played, but I have heard of it. That's another one that's pretty chill. It says Dragon Quest Builders. Um, I have not played that or heard of it, um, but it says here Dragon Quest has received many games and spinoffs over the years, but for sheer fun, there is nothing quite like building a world shaped by your hand. In Dragon Quest Builders, you are the builder, not the hero. The aesthetic for the series is a com combination of 8-bit blocks and out-of-place 3D characters and monsters, and the game lets you build and craft just about anything you can think of. Gonna have to 
plop down some time to check out Dragon Quest Builders, because that's kind of my style. Chill, base building kind of a thing. Dungeon Encounters is another one. Fantasy Life says, how does one make an RPG with a class system as wholesome and easygoing as possible? Make it a life simulation uh, game as well. Fantasy Life for the Nintendo 3DS is set in the world of Rivera, uh, Riviera, sorry, in Riviera. Um, players can take on one of 12 vocations called Lives at a Time. Wow. Seems like fun. Yeah, you'll have to go and check it out. Uh, Graveyard Keeper, that was fun to watch as well. I didn't play it. I probably should look into it. Um, it's... How do you describe Graveyard Keeper? Yeah, they kind of describe it in here as Stardew Valley or Rune Factory games, but um, it's definitely more Stardew Valley in terms of look and feel, except that you are keeping a graveyard. <laughs> You're maintaining it. Iconfell is another game here uh, from the first blips of Iconfell's opening music to a madcap dash from the observatory past the haunted bathroom and over to the alchemy lab. It's easy to assume the game is as cozy as a childhood cup of cocoa. Interesting. So this is uh, this is the writing of Zach Wellhouse, actually. Um, there are different people saying different things. Matt Mason was mentioned in this article. Cassandra Ramos is uh, an author. Paul Shkreli is uh, an author. Robert Albright is an author. Sam uh, Wachter himself uh, from consolidating this, apparently. Um, yeah, and um, Zach Wellhouse is also a person that was involved in writing this a list of cozy games. Low Magic Age... Uh, Ryan Costa put that together. Life can be hectic sometimes. So when I think of Cozy, I think of something uh, fun that can be played without much thought. Yep, I agree. Rainbow Billy, The Curse of the Leviathan. Um, is a It's a game uh, written about by Ryan McCarthy. Wholesome game trend. Okay. While the game definitely fits in perfectly with what is expected of a wholesome game wrapped in an appealingly odd old-fashioned cartoon aesthetic with an overall sense of kindness showcasing themes of friendship while facing inner demons are tackled okay and of course stardew valley is mentioned uh what theater rhythm final fantasy that's apparently a series casey pritt wrote the article for that one um, Stardew Valley is written about by Andron Smith. Undertale is mentioned. Pascal Takia? Takai? Takai, I think. Uh, Voice of Cards is another one that's mentioned. There are quite a bit in here. I think that's the last one, though. Robert Albright writes of Voice of Cards. The Isle Dragon Roars. Um, very pixely kind of a game. Um, I'm not... Actually, Voice of Cards is pretty high resolution. It is a cards-based game. On a whim during this year's Extra Life, they tried Voice of Cards, The Isle Dragon Roars. The next thing they knew, nearly three and a half hours had whizzed by by playing the game. I think I'll end up going and looking at Voice of Cards as a casual game. Um, we'll see. Maybe I'll be playing it on stream for hours on time i've been trying to find a dream game where i can just play it but every time i find that dream game well nobody else really likes it so it dies on the vine and then gets canceled four months after it gets dropped let's move on to the next article uh, before i start crying about games that i love and uh, there isn't enough interest in the game anyway the continuity report um, houses this next article, uh, which is sourced from Variety.com. DreamWorks unveils new logo sequence with Shrek, Boss Baby, and How to Train Your Dragon, along with several others. Um, DreamWorks Animation is updating its opening logo sequence uh, to include some familiar faces in the new sequence. The iconic DreamWorks child fishing on the moon leaves its post, sort of. 
to travel across the sky passing along characters from mainstay franchises um yeah because they only mentioned a few in the title but there are several more in it and i won't play the whole video ej uh Penaligon, I guess is their name, that last name. I hope I'm pronouncing it properly. And, um, you know, at least I'm trying. <laughs> um, this article over at Variety um, actually has the video over on YouTube, but I won't stream it because I don't want to get uh, a uh, takedown. Uh, I've already received one notice um but not a dmca takedown just to notice that they don't they didn't like me uh, playing their video apparently uh, which is odd because it's everywhere else but apparently i popped up on the radar well in the new sequence iconic dreamworks uh, child fishing on the moon leaves its post it actually kind of jumps up and it becomes kind of a jet ski sort of a thing flying around through space and um highlighting some of the properties that are involved with dreamworks um, like kung fu panda and how to train your dragon i haven't watched the bad guys but that's okay the new sequence will first play ahead of dreamworks upcoming release puss in boots the last wish when it hits theaters on december 21st so it's basically a 33 second intro to uh, the incoming uh, movie whatever it's going to be the next article, and I only have three more left. Again, if you're interested in all of the URLs and you don't want to wait, you can actually go to hometown.showbot.tv. That'll give you the list. You can vote them up for the ones that you are interested in learning more about and are talking about, or uh, me pulling that genre of article into uh, the hometown daily news show or subsequent shows, depending on if it is relevant to that show. Um, just go over there and, and um, vote it up. You don't have to sign up for an account or anything, but I would like you to sign up for an hometown.com account. It's just go over to hometown.com and sign up and become a citizen of hometown. Uh, future benefits are in the works. At one point I had stuff um, planned, but supply chain issues. and No, not really. Um, I did have stuff planned, but it was more about the podcast and I did away with that kind of stuff um, by doing away with other things. At any rate, this uh, project aims to use concrete reefs to increase marine biodiversity off the Danish coast. And uh, when cycling across the, I'm going to try and Brigabrun bridge at Fistovert. You see three concrete structures emerging from the water in the inner harbor of Copenhagen. But it is actually only when you get under the water that the work of art really comes to life. Here you can see the sculptures are filled with cracks that will eventually become a habitat for seaweed and fish. And yes, this is actually kind of the premise of wreck diving um, and, actual, and sink, sinking ships, scuttling ships. Uh, after you clean them of things like oil, um, and gasoline, diesel fuel, and whatever else might be on there that might harm uh, the ocean going or uh, lake properties, whatever. Um, it, 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 you basically sink it and the fish come, the sea life comes. It's, 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 it's a lot of fun for divers too. The project is called Super Rev or Super Reefs and aims to reestablish 55 square kilometers of reefs off the Danish coast. Behind the work in, is the international group of artists Superflex, which in an unconventional collaboration with, among other partners, DTU, is examining whether it is possible to create a stone reef from newly developed concrete. I would say yes. It just takes time. The expectation is that the construction industry can use the experience for future coastal pro uh, protection projects, bridges, tunnels, and offshore wind farms, which in practice function as stone reefs for seaweed and animals. The objective is to help increase marine biodiversity. I think it's great. I think it's definitely doable. It doesn't need to be an art project though. Um, 
Most of it is going to be underwater, right? But it also can be an identifier that there is some, there is a reef right here. And so kind of like a lighthouse, it's going to stand up out of the water and notify, Hey, there's something here. Don't crash into it. I don't know if that not being lit up is going to be a problem in the future, but I guess, um, nighttime boaters are going to have to keep an eye out. And there is a video over at uh, fizz.org. Again, this is a fizz.org article by Christina Taker, a technical university of Denmark. Let's move on to the next article. Amazon workers strike in the U.S. and 30 other countries on Black Friday in global Make Amazon Pay campaign. Protests by Amazon workers and allies were planned in 30-plus countries on Black Friday. Campaign concerns include competitive wages, safe working conditions, and carbon emissions. The Make Amazon Pay campaign comes as Amazon faces unionization efforts across the globe. True. Uh, this is a businessinsider.com article. Haley Cuccinello is the author. And it says here, a protest by Amazon workers and allies were planned in 30 plus countries on Black Friday. Their concerns were competitive wages. Make Amazon pay uh, comes as Amazon faces unionization efforts. And I guess right now, see the thing is though, even though you purchase it on Black Friday, that the it's going to be processed and people are going to be back and they'll still have to work if they come back you know you, if you want to make amazon pay you have to walk away um but that means losing a job and nobody wants that and you have to kind of be ready you can unionize that's another way to do it but they're going to, people are going to purchase from Amazon. That's just the way that it works. The pandemic has exposed how Amazon places profits ahead of workers. That's how they always have um, society and our planet. I don't know about society, uh, maybe about the planet, but they're just the vehicle for which sales are done. Uh, I don't quite get this, you know? You know, promote not being a, a consumptive person. You know, if you're going to just consume products from Amazon, then Amazon is just the vehicle to get from producer to the house or table or whatever. I don't know. They wrote a list of demands on their uh, website, makeamazonpay.com. Amazon takes too much and gives back too little. I agree. You don't become a billionaire by having equity and inclusion and, uh, you know, compassion and all of that, you know, all the managers are sitting there trying to grab at the brass ring to show that they can make it more profitable. So go pee in that cup peasant and no, you can't have a break to do it. You're going to have to do it right there and hurry up. Nobody wants to see you peeing into a bottle. Did that ever actually show up to being true? Was that, did Snopes actually vet that? Um, you know, that Amazon workers were supposedly told that they had to pee in a bottle. Anyway, protests were planned in more than 30 countries, including India, Germany, Japan, according to Make Amazon Pay. In the U.S., protests are expected in more than 10 cities from coast to coast at Amazon's main headquarters in Seattle. Jeff Bezos's penthouse in New York City. Whole Foods stores and Amazon warehouses. Yeah. And that's just the stuff that y'all know about that Jeff Bezos and company uh, own. So strikes are planned at 18 warehouses in France and Germany, coordinated by trade unions. I don't know. Let's see. Will it make Amazon pay? Somehow over the long haul, I doubt it. But it's worth the effort and i think that workers should be compensated more and they simply aren't but again you know i always joke you know and i shouldn't joke because it's legit a problem and it really i i take it as a serious problem but i i have to joke about it otherwise you just kind of get upset 
the the Ferrari that's sitting in the parking lot is not owned by, you know, the guy that's doing the packing of, um, packing popcorn, you know, that, that person is not sitting there with a Ferrari, but the C-suite is. And that's because the mantra that has driven business since what, before Reagan has been, and it's a, it's an actual turn of phrase. The sole objective of a business is to make profit, but that's not what it is. It isn't just to make money. It's to create benefit. That's the phrase, create benefit, not just to consumers, but, or I should say, not just to the stakeholders or stockholders, I should say, and the board and the C-suite. It is for all of the stakeholders, all of the people who have an interest in the success or failure of a business. It goes beyond stockholders. Create value, not not just pure profit that is not that shouldn't be the object of societal desire making money but some people believe it is and they'll do everything in their power including step on other people's necks to get ahead you know maybe it's coming from me because i if it's I have been told, well, that's easy for you to say, but it's not. I I don't think that em, that employees should suffer because a manager or a, a business owner can demand of you more work, you know, other duties as a sign, kiss my butt, um, enumerate what my job is so that I can maximize my time and effort to that task, not not to whatever and well, suddenly you want me to wash your Ferrari kiss my butt not interested in that respect me I'll stay with your company unfortunately that's where we are because the business owner wants to take as much from you as possible well is this part of that problem I don't know in the hatch ideas channel is uh sourced from business insider is over 460 of the most promising startups of 2022 in ed tech fintech crypto cloud prop tech and more according to vcs and so if you follow that link and when you go to the link on hometown it's just this little snippet so much more is on the other side of this go to uh, businessinsider.com via hometown julie bort wrote this article Um, for businessinsider.com. They asked hundreds of top venture capitalists to name the most promising startups of 2022. VCs were asked to name uh, companies inside and outside of their portfolios, and they delivered an exciting list across industries like FinTech, healthcare, EdTech, and more. Now, this list is quite long. I actually saw this before I found it in um, hometown. Not a big deal, Um, but I didn't go really drilling through the whole list because I said, oh yeah, my aggregator probably picked it up. Well, advertising tech, it had 19 most promising advertising and marketing tech startups. 13 of the most promising artificial intelligence startups, 23 biotech startups, 37 climate tech startups. This is a massive list. You should go check it out. I'd shy away from the crypto in this. You are all full of risk. You just love risk. You gobble it up. Risk is your breakfast, lunch, and dinner because crypto is either going to get regulated into oblivion or it's going to take your money either through some uh, data breach. It's going to get exfiltrated or it's going to be part of an overly uh, leveraged pseudo company that's making the executives really rich but by the time you get your money it's gonna be collapsed um and not insured (laughs) i'm just gonna walk away from this crypto is not for those who are going to stay long term Um, you better find your crypto and sell it um 
or you have already copious amounts of money and you don't care because it'll go up eventually maybe yeah not in the next decade it's i think it's going to decline a little bit more um, and maybe hover around ten thousand um, as more uh, legislation from the united states in particular comes rolling in um, other countries will follow i think i think crypto has hit peak peak crypto was twenty five thousand. Um, I don't think it'll ever hit that point again, but we'll see. All it takes is embracing it by countries. 13 of the most uh, promising cybersecurity startups. Uh, that is actually such a highly specialized skill set now that um, you, you really should go to school for it, or uh, if not school, then find somebody that is capable of mentoring you through it and and uh, that you can engage in it uh, regularly which is going to be tough because most of the cybersecurity uh, companies uh, don't do just random you know small business support because it's really expensive they go for the government um, or businesses that have government contracts which means that you have to have uh, security um, background checks and, and, um, yeah, top secret, uh, clearance or some level in there. Usually top secret is minimum. So anyway, education, tech, FinTech, healthcare, all kinds of stuff, at least 20 in each. Uh, it's pretty amazing. And they have a specialized one here at the bottom, women's health tech, 34 of the most promising women's health startups in 2022, according to VCs. Um, and, um, you know, we, there is specialized healthcare needs for pretty much anybody <laughs> to some degree, uh, at some point you'll need a specialist. So for your particular needs, but this is an amazing list over 460 of the most promising startups of 2022 in ed tech, fintech, crypto cloud, prop tech, and more according to VCs. And I think that's where we're going to end today's shoe. Again, I am Marwat. That is Omtown. That's what feeds the Omtown Daily News Show every day, 6 p.m. I haven't missed a show yet. Um, the podcast is sometimes a day behind, um, but maybe I should change the name of the show to Tomorrow's News Yesterday But Today. It's a really long shirt, so it's going to have to be always sold an extra, extra large. Um, but yeah, we'll just go on. Anyway, thank you very much for coming to the Hometown Daily News Show for November 25th, the day after Thanksgiving here in the States. Stay awesome. See you tomorrow. Bye bye. Thank you.